We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that type. We're talking emerging media, e-games, cannabis, and so much more. Without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. With three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. I don't have anything today. Come on, Anthony. Well, come I, on, you got one job. We got, we, got, we got a special guest, man. Like, how do you come in? How do you come in with something crazy with a special so guest? Normally, normally, he jumped in with like a Sanford and Son okay. uh, yeah. intro. And, you know, something. it's all off, off, off beat. But welcome, welcome, <laughs> to, welcome, welcome to the Whiskey Hill. We're excited. We have a great episode for today, and we're uh, going to jump right to it. Um, we here at the Whiskey Hill, we'd like to bring on a great guest. Uh, give different perspectives, it's, of course, from the black and brown perspective. So um, we're going to introduce, I'm going to let Abdul do the honors, but we're going to d- dive right in. All right. Nahal and I have several mutual friends, met through a South Asian media organization several years ago, and he has been a tremendous resource. South Asian man. mafia, more like it. <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, the startup showcases I run with Namek and several other organizations. Hey man, Nahal, you've come through. You've recommended a few com- companies that have made it through to the final round uh, that you and Reshma have invested in, and they won it actually a couple times, right? You remember that? And three, four times there were other there were some mobile startups that were sent. They sent their decks to me. You've helped me vet them. I don't know if you remember that. Deeply appreciate you, man. Uh, you're just a cool cat. Um, hosted I, several Eniac. I, I, I just met you an hour ago, so, but that's cool. <laughs> and so and you used to host these and I'm, I'm assuming you still will p- picking up as maybe this year or starting next year when we can get back to normal those NEX summits at the times building um that would have been uh, that was one of the first times i could have met jamath palipatia but that was when and he backed out last minute because um oh my god unfortunately someone uh cheryl sandberg's husband passed away his name's right up top but and he had to back out last minute but those are, that's the caliber of guests they get at these events. So um, you've killed it. I think this is your fifth fund under the ENIAC Ventures sure. umbrella. We'll have you walk through it, walk through that in a while. And my wife and I went to undergrad with Nahal's wife, Reshma Sajani. She's baller. We're all from the Chicago area. And she's led initiatives like Girls Who Code. You can see Nahal's hat right now. Marshall Plan for Moms. I said this to Nahal last week. Everything she's doing right now is everything we thought she would be doing back then. Fighting the good fight, gender equity. Love it. Um, I love it. Love it. And I remember speaking with her seven, eight years ago, I think when she was just launching Girls Who Code uh, around that time. And the funny thing is on the phone, first words to me were, what are you up to? I said, hold on, Reshma, a lot, but nowhere near what you're up to. So let's talk about you for the next hour. Right? So it was a cool <laughs> conversation. Enough about that. Nahal, this is about you. Give us the deeper dive into who you are, why you're here after we just met an hour ago. It's getting creepy. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, you know, it's funny. I can actually just, just talk about, we can just talk about Reshma for hours. It's, and, and Reshma gives me grief, and she gives me grief about that because every time, you know, in this Zoom pandemic, uh, you know, everybody under the same roof vibe, um, she, you know, we're always like overhearing each other's Zooms. And every time she walks in, it, it's always about her. So she's, you know, she's this running joke. That's all I talk about, right? So, so anyway, I'm wearing the hat. <laughs> Happy to talk about that for an hour or, or other things. Um, no, but but I can give you kind of my my quick story. I, um, you know, I, I was an entrepreneur uh, for the first decade of my career. I went to college at UPenn, um, studied computer science and philosophy, um, 
built my first startup in my dorm room with my college roommate. Uh, we were DJs and uh, it was the late 90s and we were trying to, uh, you know, tell people where we were we were playing. This is back, by the way, when when uh, DJs actually had to do work, you know, tech. Like, like, you know, <laughs> with the records. <laughs> no, you didn't have CDJs? Yeah, exactly. No CDJs? Exactly. Like you? real, like, you know, techniques, MK2s with a real picture, no beat matching, real records on real vinyl. Like took up, you know, a third of your uh, college room, maybe half of your college yeah. room. Whenever you go to parties, you know, you're, you and your uh, uh, friends that you would hopefully pay for and with drink tickets or whatever would have to carry your records. Uh, you know, so, so it's totally different, you know, wild, right. Wild. Um, and, uh, so anyway, back, back in the, these days, it's just like, you know, let me just press a button and, uh, and, 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 and everybody can be, right, but that's fine. There's, there's no bitterness here. Um, we, we had a good run, but anyway, we're emailing our friends, you know, where we were playing and we're like, dude, let's just, let's just put up a website. Let's just spin something up. Um, you know, there's 99 and, and that was the thing to do. And so we started a site called Philly tonight.com. Um, and, uh, and it blew up, you know, uh, we raised a bunch of money and we had billboards on 95. We had a commercial on MTV produced by the roots scratch. actually did oh, like shit. a whole beatbox for us. I have the audio. I can send it to you if you want to include it. It's really, you know, <laughs> That'd be dope, actually. Actually, yeah, do that. Do that. actually, actually remember We that. spent the money uh, really well and really fast. Without <laughs> you know, and then 2001 hit and, you know, all of these startups uh, imploded. Um, our business model was online advertising, but that was pre-Google. So it was very hard to, like, monetize at scale. And, um, you know, that was my best experience because we had, you know, it was, like, early 20s. We had, like, half a million bucks of debt on our balance sheet. Uh, we had nowhere to go. And so I had to do the unthinkable, especially for a, um, you know, son of, uh, you know, first generation immigrant here. Uh, I had to file for bankruptcy. Uh, and that, you know, that was rough because like the first million bucks we raised were from all these, you know, very proud Indian uncles and Indian aunties. Uh, you were that guy. We kept hearing about that yeah, one brown guy. Yeah, in Philly. I, 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 was, I, was, I was the <laughs> rising star. And then all of a sudden at the Diwali parties, that auntie was like, you know, like that guy. kid fought for bankruptcy, you know, and I was like <laughs> completely like shunned from the scene, you know, and, and, and you know, it was completely, uh, you know, humbling, humiliating, uh, humbling. Um, but I look back and, and uh, you know, that was definitely the best experience I've ever had, because especially facing failure that that early, that young and overcoming it, uh, which is inevitable, you know, you um you gain this sense of invincibility where uh, you basically look failure in the eye and you, you're, you know, you're still coming back out of it. And then you feel like you can do, you can do anything. And that was my, my first startup experience. Right. Uh, after that, I had four more um, and, uh, and some of them went back. Actually, it's hard to do worse than that. So, so, so they did better. Um, you know, a few of them are acquired. I started investing off of, the successes as an angel investor. Um, never thought I'd be a VC. Even the letters VC, hearing VC today, give me a little bit of a cringe. You know, we used to think as entrepreneurs, you know, vulture capitalists. And uh, you, you said that before. Yeah, I you know, and so uh, even hearing that today, I still consider myself entrepreneur first. But anyway, um, got together with, you know, with three buds that we knew from college who also had similar paths, building startups, failing at them, 
uh, succeeding at them and said, let's do this together. And so, so that was the birth of the fund 11 years ago. Um, and now, like you said, fast forward, we're in, just launched fund five, um, still doing it with the same, you know, same four guys. We've known each other since 95. We met as freshmen and sophomores at Penn, all engineers. Um, and it's a dream, man, just doing what you love with, with whom you love. Um, uh, you know, and really having that empathy for founders, a lot of investors say they have it, but I think until you've taken a business under, until you've missed payroll and like had to tell your employees who had to tell their families that they're not coming home with a paycheck until you've had these real dramatic, traumatic startup experiences, um, I don't think you can call yourself an entrepreneur, right? So, so anyway, I'm, I'm fortunate to have had that as experience number one, and and come come out of it, and I get to meet you know baller founders every day, uh, and and learn from them and be inspired by them. It's it's the best job in the world. Amazing, amazing, and you know we're excited to hear and and learn so much more about your story. But you know here at the Whiskey Hill, most one of the most important parts of our show is the whiskey. So what we're going to do and what we normally do is we let the listeners know what we're sipping on. And then at the end of the episode, we give our perspective and and take on what we thought about the whiskey. So you're our special guest. We want you to introduce the whiskey. uh, And what we'll do is we'll all sip on it. We'll dive into it towards the end of the episode and give our take on it. Awesome. So, you know, I'm I'm Indian. Uh, Indians love whiskey. Brown, brown people in general, people in general love whiskey. Brown people, yeah. Indians yeah. especially, it's like a Venn diagram of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we we have like a natural genetic predilection towards probably black label and like, you know. And, uh, they, they know the yeah, story. Yeah. You show up to any, you know, uh, Sikh wedding, Punjabi wedding, um, uh, and it's just boxes of black label like in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is not Black Label, but this is Balvini 14. Thank you. Uh, and um, uh, it's nice. I put a little water and some ice in it because it's only six o'clock. Uh, uh, and, you know, I want it, I want it, I want it, want it to last. So cheers, guys. Amazing. Nice, cheers. Nice. Cheers. And I'll, I'll sip to that. So thank you for introducing that. And we'll kick off, you know, at the Whiskey Hue. We like to dive deep, get your perspective, learn about your uh experiences but ask real world questions so you know we'll let the we'll do the honors of kicking off uh before we jump into the real world question which you're anticipating something smart from me you know what i do um the shelter in place that we've been through there's an article that said we've gained a half a pound every 10 days during the last year roughly right so i'm throwing in the ring because i traded in my b cup for a C cup, I'm <laughs> in. And Anthony, I want you looking me in the eyes, all right? Let's, let's, let's keep this legit, all right? You don't need to look, all right? <laughs> when I mention what I just mentioned, right? I'm not, I'm not an object. I'm playing. All right, let's jump in. Okay, so where, where should we? There's so many different ways we can go with you in the hall. Uh, <laughs> so many different ways. Um, one thing I would like to start off with, right? So now we're seeing, obviously, valuations are exploding, right? And it, uh, And I think a lot of this is because, obviously, capital is accessible right now and it has been for the last year increasingly so and it may start to tap out later on this year we're going to ask you about SPACs and all that later but let's say, like, like let's take a company like tiger right they're jumping in an earlier stage they're jumping in earlier into the life cycle of companies right 
And I think a lot of that has to do with these SaaS models that have, you know, maybe getting these 10, 20, 30 billion dollar valuations. They're like, hey, where 10 years ago used to be one to two billion was hot. Um, now they're getting in earlier. Give us your sense on that. Okay, there's some there's there's the pros and cons of that. And what, what, that's, let's start there. Yeah, I think there's a bunch. It's, it's, it's a perfect storm in a lot of different ways. I think it was kind of kicked off a few years ago um, with the SoftBank fund. So, you know, if you guys heard, um, you know, Masa raised uh, this very large fund, a $100 billion fund. Um, and by the way, he's raising or has raised fund two already around the same amount. Uh, and what that did all of a sudden, it, it put downward pressure on the entire ecosystem. So, um, other growth stage investors, uh, namely Sequoia, Excel, you know, all the biggest kind of best funds, um, all of a sudden were seeing SoftBank uh, as a threat. And um, and I'll explain, you know, why. You know, essentially, if there's a if there's a company doing well, um, SoftBank has a massive fund, and so they can write a very large check, uh, which is small for them as basically an option bet and and not be valuation sensitive. So a company that might be worth, you know, 300 million bucks pre-money by normal metrics, they can say, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to give this entrepreneur a a term sheet at 500 million. Um, I'm going to put in a small check just to win the deal. Uh, Entrepreneurs like, Oh wow, of course I'll take it, you know, 50% uh, jump in valuation. And so they'll go with, you know, they'll go with SoftBank and, by the way, SoftBank might not get their ownership on that round, but they're now on the cap table. And so they can now stuff more money in later and start buying up their ownership later. And that's basically how they've constructed their portfolio. And that's how they can deploy the $100 billion, right? So that was like one of the first, um, you know, uh, uh, effects into this, into this storm. The reaction by other VCs to SoftBank was like, oh shit, we got to raise more so that we can play defense. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden you have Insight raising 8 billion, you have Sequoia raising 8 billion, you have Excel raising 5 billion. Mm-hmm. And so now what has happened, you know, over the past, even the beginning of this year, um, these funds have just raised mega funds, right? Um, to basically compete against SoftBank. So now they can go to those same companies and say, we can do that too, right? SoftBank, you're not going to steal, steal our deals. Um, and so, um, and so, and so that happened. And so that is driving valuations up significantly because it's no longer just one investor. It is dozens that have these mega funds yeah. and so they're creeping all the way down. Now, ENIAC, we're focused on seed, but we're even seeing effects, you know, coming all the way down. And it's because now Sequoia, for example, has an $8 billion fund and they can come and see a seed company and say, you know, might be worth, say, 10 million bucks or something, the way that we would value it, and say, I really love these guys. I'm going to give these guys a valuation at 20 because I got 8 billion. Yeah. I can write a bigger check. Same thing that SoftBank did to them. They're kind of trying to do to us, right? So companies can have two or three X the valuation um, uh, from a great investor um, just because their funds are so large now and they have to deploy capital mm-hmm. and they have to deploy it in a competitive way. So that's one of the reasons why these valuations have gotten out of control. So that's kind of, you know, perfect storm number one. The other aspect is, you know, what has happened in the past few years with regards to interest rates, um, you know, uh, the lowest they've ever been. 
And so folks can invest in growth and in tech. And so when interest rates are low, historically, tech is flying, right? Because uh, the cost of capital becomes de minimis to actually grow a company, right? So that's kind of another, you know, um, entry into this storm. Um, and then what you mentioned, Atul, about SaaS is really interesting because I think, you know, SaaS has been around for a while. I think now investors have really embraced it because um, it's an efficient way to grow a business. It's an efficient business model. You have a high gross SaaS as software as a service. You have a high, high gross margin. You know, some of these businesses are operating 70, 80 percent. Um, and so when you get to scale, the cost of sales becomes so low that these companies can, mm-hmm. ex- yeah. you know, more efficiently scale than any other companies we've ever seen. Probably the best example of that um, is a company that that is going to go public very soon, probably north of a hundred billion dollar market cap, which is Stripe. Um, and Stripe is mm-hmm. not only SaaS, but it's an API. And the way that API scale are even more efficient because by the way, there doesn't even need to be sales in the mix. Like it's a self-serve interface that any developer can grab from a website, install the code, and boom, they're up and running with zero humans, right? With seven, li- seven lines of seven code, Seven lines right? of code, zero humans, right? So this is like, wow. if you were to tell me there's a business like this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you would be like, you're, you know, you are, you're pulling my chain. Like you can create a $100 billion <laughs> company with no salespeople, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And but the, you know that's the reality, right? That's what software as a service and specifically APIs have done. And by the way, I feel mm. like we're at the beginning of that API revolution. We know this at Eac. We have a bunch of API first companies that are just starting to rip. And uh, okay. And so anyway, th- that is another thing to add to the mix of this perfect storm. Um, and then I think you just have, you know, incredible entrepreneurs that um, um, now have access to a lot more information. Everybody's kind of reading the same thing uh, very quickly, right? The media, Twitter, everything else is transmitting things so quickly to everybody um, uh, at volume that people are getting smart very fast and they can build things extraordinarily fast. The tools today to build startups, you know, a lot of the companies we backed, like the first versions were built in a weekend, you know, because Mm -hmm. they're open source, because they're all web-based, because they're cheap, you know, because you don't need a hundred developers anymore to build really compelling. There there are things called low code and uh, a lot of visual editing tools where folks that are not necessarily in the code can actually go and build and ship things. Right. So, you know, I think that's another aspect of the storm. So putting all these things together, shaking it up, um, I think creates creates a lot of the environment that we're seeing today. Um, um, but I would say the other thing is the supply of capital across the board is insane. So because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, um, I saw this graph recently, the actual cash on hand that consumers have so basically consumers have had like the same amount of cash over the past 50 years on hand. Yeah. And just recently in the past two years, especially accelerated by the pandemic, that has gone up like 80% year over year for like two years straight. Are you looking at America specifically? We're now a savings economy all of a sudden? <laughs> Is yeah. That what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah, globally yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, and yeah. so there's a lot more cash um, at the consumer layer the level. There's a lot more 
also funds that have gotten funded. And so there's a lot of cash to invest in, um, you know, in, in startups. Um, and so by the way, this money on the consumer, uh, on the consumer side, where is it going? If you looked at some of the data on the $1,200 stimulus, by the way, I think the stimmy hit today. A lot of it hit today. Right. <laughs> the stimmy life. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> life. 1400 bucks. You're actually going to see these interesting patterns. Um, we have a friend, my six-year-old's buddy, his mom works at Farag- Farragama, right? The luxury retailer. And she was telling us uh, when the stimmy hit last time, 1200 bucks, they all of a sudden noticed a price uh, 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 in their orders at $1,200 basket size. Nice. Literally the same week. That's no coincidence, right? And so that's coming in yeah. and it's going to crypto. It's going to e-commerce. Um, you know, it's going to places where, um, you, you know, that are just the, the, the interface is readily available. It's super easy to buy and it's on trend. And so I think a lot of that consumer spend is going into that ecosystem. Um, and there's more money than there ever has been. It's going to Airbnb. It's going to, you know, uh, VRBO. It's going, it's going to uh, airplanes. It's going to hotels. Um, people are ready to go. It's a coiled spring effect. So anyway, that's another aspect to throw into the perfect storm. So it is, it's ludicrous. It's crazy out there. And it's spring and it's warm in New York. And people are, you know, people are ready, people are ready to go. Um, people are, re- yeah, people are so- ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's amazing because we, we you know we think about this and you touched on some really good points around that but something that really stood out to me was uh you talked about resources and almost the uh the shrinking of the world you know as we think about more entrepreneurs getting access more entrepreneurs getting discovered or there's just more people who are willing to invest in black and brown people um so which expands the you know the audience and for great ideas um, you know, I think back to the the company Calend- Calendly um, is something that's out there that the guy was he couldn't get founders, but he built a I think it was a, a multi million dollar business without any funding. And he's getting there. So those I- ideas were weren't getting funded back in the day, but now they're getting funded. Uh, as you think about, you know, your your role and your impact in the in the space in the early seed round, how do you take an approach of investing in those minority or underserved founders who are building something that's great, no matter if they're, you know, black, brown, white or whatever, you just trying to enter them into the conversation because you know, they have a good business. Model. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great question. I mean, that's one thing we think about almost every day. I would say every day, the, the lack of diversity in tech underrepresented founders in general, black and brown founders, women founders. Um, we need a lot more, uh, for sure. And in the pandemic, by the way, that, that receded, um, yeah, you know, because yeah. what what happens, in, you know, investors, you know, tr- money is a relationship based on trust. And unfortunately, majority of investors, majority of VCs are white men. Right. And, uh, you know, you trust people that you can identify with that you that look like you. Right. And so white men are funding white men, especially more in the pandemic. Right. And so it's harder mm-hmm. to get to know somebody, obviously, over Zoom. Um, especially when you have different backgrounds and it's harder to establish trust. And so that's, that's the bridge that you gotta, you know, that you gotta, that you gotta build. And so anyway, what we, we, we've been doing a lot in the space. And so, um, you know, I love, I'm wearing this hat, obviously girls who code, um, that my wife started, um, 
you know, almost 10 years ago. And half of the 300,000 girls uh, that go through Girls Who Code every year um, are black and brown. Um, and by the way, half are from a socioeconomic perspective, also at or below the poverty line. And so they've done that very deliberately because they know that retraining specifically these demographics is going to is going to be so rewarding, not only to their communities and their themselves and their families and their immediate communities, but also the economy. Right. And so that's kind of the thesis of Girls Who Code. And uh, they've done incredible work um, and they make incredible hats, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. Amazing. I mean, it's more that needed. And you often hear about Girls Who Code. Yeah. So, you know, thank you to your wife. Thank you to you for pushing. Yeah. That I, Getting, getting getting that out there because I think there's a huge opportunity for more black and brown, especially girls, to, to get involved. And get yeah, that's, that's right. And I had nothing to do with it, by the way. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I joke with her that I bought the first domain, but she has she has the evidence on GoDaddy. Definitely not me. Um, and uh, uh, so that's kind of, you know, one aspect. And then there's so many other um, projects and initiatives that um, – that we're constantly involved in, you know, I think personally, uh, Reshma and myself, um, are investing and have invested in, uh, dozens of underrepresented managers because again, um, that trust relationship, you know, why are white men just backing white men? Um, you need more investors that are diverse. You need more black and brown VCs because then you'll have more black and brown founders because of that trust relationship. Right. Um, that's, that's intrinsic to, uh, sharing backgrounds and sharing perspectives. And so, uh, we've invested in, uh, so many funds, uh, personally, um, one fund that, that is epic, that is well on its way is a fund in New York called Harlem Capital. Uh, And, uh, the founders, uh, Henri, um, and uh, another GP, Brandon, uh, uh, and uh, and Jared are absolutely incredible. Um, and you know, they all came from different backgrounds, but they met at HBS and they had this vision of creating a venture fund where, literally, on their website, it's like we are backing a thousand um, underrepresented founders over the next ten years. That is our mission. Period. Right. Like like full stop. Right. And I'd say 10 years ago, people would be like, there's no way you can build a venture fund like this. Like you're you're not going to find LPs. You're not going to find where you're going to find the returns. And these guys are crushing it. And so um, uh, this is public, but Apple, uh, you know, the largest uh, company in the world by market cap, um, never invests in funds. And they committed a a large check to Harlem Capital, too. Um, And, uh, you know, they've been able to attract an incredible base of LPs. And they've already, um, you know, they're wrapping up fund one and, and launching fund two very soon. So, you know, that one, that's one example of a fund that just has fire and incredible, incredible mm-hmm. momentum. Um, and that's doing great work uh, focused on underrepresented founders. And I think that is much more scalable than backing, you know, singles and dozens of underrepresented founders. Let's back underrepresented managers, Right who then will be able to yeah. use that as leverage and, and back large funds. Another fund that we were early investors in is a fund called Female Founders Fund. Um, mm. yeah. Anu and exactly. Anu, right? and so, you know, Anu's a yeah. great friend as well. And, you know, 
we backed Female Founders Fund seven years ago, eight years ago. I mean, literally her fund is called Female Founders Fund. Like, you know, like she got the domain name and she owns the brand. And so, um, and now she's, you know, raising fund three and she's off and running. She's got some incredible companies, you know, Bumble, Zola, Maven, uh, yeah. Billy. And so, um, you know, uh, I think that's probably the most effective leverage, you know, from a, from a diverse founder perspective that you can have is where you invest in managers that then have that decree of, of deal flow and, and investing in other founders. And by the way, when you have these funds up and they're doing great work, it, it inspires other founders to start a company. Yep. Black and brown yeah. founders to be like, Oh shit. Like check out Harlem capital. Like look at their website. Like look at this great blog post. Like look at these tweets. Like I'm getting inspired. I never thought I could be an entrepreneur. Right. Um, but you know, if you can see it, you can be it. Now I can be this, this incredible entrepreneur. I never thought I'd have that op- option or opportunity. I never thought somebody would back me, but now I see that. So that's, a, that's something we've been working on for a while. Um, it's like, yeah. On Rishma's website, uh, rishmasajani.com, on the investments tab, that's kind of like our personal stuff. Um, and there's a ton of funds that we've that, that we're really proud LPs in. Um, and then there's all these kind of like ninja projects that we've we've been standing up. One we're really proud of is something called the 100K Pledge. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's just 100kpledge.com. Um, and um, you know, after George Floyd last summer. Um, you know, a lot of people specifically in the tech industry, you know, came out and they pledged these amazing things, you know, um, from Michael Jordan to like a billion dollars to like JP Morgan to like 20 billion. Right. Uh, and a lot of these pledges lived all over the place on their, somebody's LinkedIn on somebody's Twitter on somebody's, you know, website and a staff meeting, whatever. And I think what, you know, we've kind of seen a few cycles of this, right. Post Rodney King, post Trayvon Martin, a lot of, there's a lot of lip service that happens. Uh, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, in our culture, there are these blips, right? And it's just because of, like, lack of attention. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, unfortunately, the um, and the speed of media, like, unfortunately, you know, the horrible shootings in, in Boulder, right, a couple of days ago, everybody's now, you know, focused on gun violence. Um, by the way, last week's, uh, you know, tragedy was around Asian hate. And, like, all of these mm-hmm. things, obviously you know, need real systemic solutions. Um, but, um, but the speed of the media makes it, and, and our ADD just makes us like lose focus. Right. And so we're always like chasing the shiny object and the shiny ball. And, mm-hmm. um, and often it's not really creating the infrastructure of solutions to, to solve these problems. We talked about this, like, Hey, so, you know, like right now the fire's hot. Right. So there's a lot of attention and focus put towards this, the group right now that you're, we're talking about. So they get out there with your ideas, showcase it, get the, get the right people and get in touch with the right folks and get it out there. We talked about this in a, a couple of episodes ago that, Hey, JP Morgan, all these funds, they're putting toward money towards black founders. Let's support and get out, get out now. Cause you know what? Like you said, the peaks and valleys, two, three years from now, diversity angle is maybe going to quiet down a bit, get in while it's hot. Well, so I think mentioning that this all culminates to what you guys are looking for. I know we just talked about SaaS being a, you know, a perfect storm when it comes down to a product that can grow a company that can grow what industries, when it comes down to some, you know, from a tech side that you, do you see the, 
largest growth potentially happening in the next you know five years. Because I don't want to say ten years, because who knows what can happen in a ten years scale. Yeah. But the next five years, what industries are catch your interest? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's there's so much. I mean, I think yeah, it's interesting. Um, we did this event with Chamath and Andrew Yang. Um, I put together about a month ago. Uh, Andrew, both are friends. You know, we're obviously. I'm very uh, hopeful that Andrew will be the next mayor of New York. Uh, mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. I think he'll do wonders for the city. Um, Innovative thinker, man. I love. Yeah, just thinks. just first principles and um, very practical and uh, incredible work ethic and very smart and um, you know. But 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 anyway. Um, Two of the things that Chamath says that he's focused on, which I agree with and, and we are as well, are inequity. So like invest in mm-hmm. uh, platforms, companies, services that bridge inequity of very different types. In a lot of ways, like Robinhood is a um, we're not an investor, but that is a way to solve inequity of access to um some of these markets, right? Coinbase as well. Um, you know, um, but you know, that all the way to, you know, I met a company that's actually, um, digitizing food stamps. So, um, Mm. literally, um, majority of food stamps are offline. Um, but imagine you could help merchants process them online and actually, um, you know, create a network of online merchants to do this a lot more efficiently um, yeah. as more and more commerce is moving online. So anyway, that that's one category. The other would be climate. And there's so much incredible innovation, um, you know, still to be had in and around climate, whether it's, you know, autonomous electric transport to, you know, mapping the oceans to, um, you know, and by the way, we're, we're, in, we have a bunch of companies in, in and around that, those spaces. So, so those are, those are two areas that we're also excited about. Um, mm. you know, I think, um, for us, because we're investing at seed, it's really all about the team. I mean, the founders need to prove themselves as like the only people on this earth that can pull this off, you know? Yeah. And, okay. and so they have this, we call it founder market fit, but the, it's like, this is their life's work, you know? And by the way, you mm. know, it when you meet somebody and it's not just a, you know, a, a business plan at, at Harvard that they think will make a lot of money. It's like, no, like my family, uh, for generations were farmers and this is a problem that I grew up with. And now I can use, this is a real life pitch, by the way, this is like an hour ago. And now use CRISPR technology to make potatoes, um, you know, uh, better for the planet and better for humans. And and, and you're mm. like, dude, you are literally the only person on the planet that, you know, <laughs> doing that. <laughs> do you know? Do you do you know Oliver Libby? I don't. He's deep in this space. Right. Uh, I'll connect you guys if you if, if if you're delving deep in that space. Let's let's close out this segment with. There's a lot of there's some disruption that's slightly creeping into the VC space as far as funding models, right? Um, and like uh, even backstage capital, like Arlen Hamilton is you know for an capital injection, she's willing to give up ten percent. 
you don't see that often, right? I, and in I, per- I, perpetuity. I put perpetuity. in 200 bucks on my credit card. That's crazy. And now I have a piece of the carry and the management fees of a venture, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a VC firm. That is not. Into, into her group? Into yeah. Her group? So it was on Republic, uh, backstage yeah. capital, you know, and they raised, uh, she was offering 5 million bucks, uh, the 10% mm-hmm. of her fund. Um, uh, to unaccredited investors. And I forget how many hundreds or thousands of investors came in for that 5 million, but it's a, it's an incredibly disruptive model. Uh, That's never, never even heard yeah, of that before. Like it's literally selling your management company of your VC to thousands of people. Uh, and there was another model where the carry wasn't in play. The carry was not going yeah. to be shared, which that, that protects yeah. her, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this is, is as far as I know, this is the kit. I think it's like maybe 1% of the carry and 1% of the fees goes to this slice or maybe 10%. But anyway, Republic does a great job. Um, as soon as Reg CF came out last week, there's two companies, Republic and WeFunder, that are like, that are like, we're ready to go for this. Yeah. You know, these guys were backed. They were working on this for years. And and Jamat's Clear Bank is doing something interesting as well, which that I, I'd delve into that model a bit more because I don't know much about it, but it's something that's an interesting Clear play. Bank, well. I mean, the world has changed, right? Like really, mm. and, you know, when yep. we launched Fund 5, one of my buddies who's an LP said, this is going to be your best fund yet. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? Like usually fund, fund ones are the best because, um, you know, people are just like, like going for it and they're, they're going for all kind of outliers and they're not getting into this kind of, um, you know, machine of whatever a fund becomes uh, over time. And I'm like, why, why is Fund 5 going to be the best? He's like, because the world just changed. Mm-hmm. Because literally post-COVID, like, we have not had this much disruption to the entire world where mm-hmm. the world has just changed. And now because of that, people are starting to see these inklings of brand new business models um, that will be funded and will become the next you know, and we're seeing whatever Coinbase and Robinhood, these companies years ago, but the next generation of those companies that are starting right now. I'm going to ask you two last things to tap this out. I'm going to ask you about secondary markets in a moment. People that want to get into these Coinbase, it might be too late for that one. But uh, A, B, so you have, you've had five funds. I know the first one, we all, I know a lot of the folks that were in it. Uh, you, we've chatted about this before. Very small. I think, and it's all public information. Share with them up to 125 mil in this last, I think as we talked about, right? Yep. In the fifth one. Tell them, just give them quick metrics. You've been doing this for like, I think, 15 years? You yeah, said? well, we started ENIAC in, in uh, 2010. So 11, 11 years. Fund oh, one fund one was a little bit over a million bucks. It was it was our money and our friends. Uh, we actually didn't take fees yeah. because we were still working as startups and it was really an experiment. You know, we wanted to create a track record. Um, you know, that fund has got phenomenal companies in it. Um, Uber was in that deal, right? The syndicate deal uh, with Uber? Or so that Airbnb is in fund one. Oh, come on. Just that. Just that. Not direct, but it's still great. Um, yeah, listen, I, like how hum- I like how humble you are. But uh, <laughs> a, a company called Bungle um, actually ended up almost tripling that fund, and it's still going. I mean, a company called Ginger just raised $100 million yesterday, um, which is at or near Unicorn. Um, which actually mm. provi- uh, provides it's a mental health marketplace with therapists selling into uh, enterprises. Mental health, by the way, is another huge mm-hmm. area that we're going to feel the effects post-COVID for the next 10 years, and these are not even mm. you know really built out yet. Um, so that's fun one. Fast forward two years, fun, fun two is $12 million. Um, We started 
uh, bringing in some family offices and some high net worths. And th- that's got some, that's got some real incredible companies, two companies. Um, one was publicly announced, one was leaked. So you can Google it, uh, are, are going public. One that's, that's publicly announced is called Owlet, which is a sock you put on a baby's foot. It basically yep. uh, transmits heart rate and blood pressure to, to the parent's phone. So you can essentially SIDS detection and alert. You know, my, my kids used it and it was a, it's just a great security uh, blanket. SIDS is something that does kill kids and it's a really simple solution to pick up the baby in a crib and like pat their back and they're fine. Um, and this is through a sock. Um, that company's going public. Another company in New York called Boxed was leaked to have gone public or going public a couple weeks ago. I can't can neither confirm or deny that, but but there's there, there it's it's out there. Um, Our millions of listeners now oh, know. So and thank then you. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, a, company, a company called Brightwheel that provides software for early education, so preschool and daycare is like a mind body. So it's SaaS for these early schools. That's some fun too. That's doing phenomenal. Um, they announced a round at 600 million a few months ago um, post. And, um, and yeah, so that, and there's a company called M particle that's in New York. That's, that's just destroying it. So that's all in fun too. Fund three was our first institutional fund, which meaning we had real institutional LPs. Um, it's a very large university endowment that led fund three. And that was a $55 million fund. Um, and that fund is, is, is roaring today. Um, we announced that uh, one of our companies that we seeded in, in Fund 3 is a company called Attentive. Um, and what Attentive does is they provide um, basically the last mile of messaging for a lot of e-commerce and retailers over text messaging. And um, they announced today they raised a almost $500 million Series E. So that, that company is... I saw this company. You sent this company to me, and then when you're sending the fitness company to me that same year, that restaurant yep. invested in. I yeah, and so anyway, this, yeah. you know, by the way, this founder, I want a mill. Oops, <laughs> clearly you did. Clearly you did win on that yeah, one. Huh? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the company's really interesting because, um, and this is all stuff they put out on their blog. I mean, they have like almost 800 million in the bank. They've only spent 100 million uh, to date. They have over 3,000 customers. Uh, so this company is. You know, it's arguably the fastest, one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing SaaS company, like in, in, in the world, certainly in New York tech. And we were really lucky to have back this founder for the first time. His company was called Tap Commerce and Fund One. Um, mm. And he sold it to Twitter for about 100 million. Um, and this is the, by the way, our NPS score at VCs. Um, you know, you're doing a good job when the founder literally wants to work with you again, or even better yet, a founder maybe you passed on. Um, introduces you to a founder that you end up investing in, right? Because you've you've had this yeah. great relationship, and you know we're a services industry, so it's all about um, it's all about helping everybody, you know. And ideally, you have money behind some of these folks, but most of the time you don't. Um, but anyway, mm. Brian Long is the CEO of Attentive, and um, that's in Fund Three. That was the second time we backed him. Um, <clears throat> there's a company called Anchor, which was acquired by Spotify, is in Fund Three company called alloy which is an api for fintech also in new york it's they help banks with better know your customer and anti-money laundering capabilities through an api they're doing fantastic um so that's fun three fun four is 100 million that was in 2017 um and we just finished fun four investing end of last year um and uh we have some great hits in that fund a company called x-wing um is an autonomous Get this autonomous 
cargo aircraft. So basically, they work with folks like UPS for local routes, fly cargo in the air without pilots is, is the vision. Um, and, you know, that that's the Jetsons future that, that we're building. Right? So it's yeah. like no, um, no humans. And when these planes are electric, uh, there's very little cost, um, you know, and so the end and totally um, cool for the environment. And, you know, there's a shortage of pilots and this, that and the other that, problems that, that, that companies like this solve. So that's fun four. Um, and then we just launched fun five, which is, as you said, 125 million. Um, we wanted to keep it relatively small cause we we're just focused on seed. I think a lot of funds got big, too big, too quick, you know, in our cohort, they started with a hundred million dollar fund. Now they're managing, you know, billions. And we, we decided let's, let's stay true to our guns. Like, you know, we are entrepreneurs first. We like the pre-product market fit stage of companies and help companies get through product market fit, raise a series A, and then come off the board at the A or the B and do the same thing over and over. It's about what we love the stage of the company and also about getting in, and also about getting in your reps. You know, like you want to do the same thing over and over and over so you can get really good at it. And I think, you know, we've done whatever 150 investments through ENIAC one through five, but it's the same stage. It's the same getting companies through product fit and raising Got the it. Series A. And so I think every time we do one of these, we get better at it. And so, uh, so you've always remained at, at seed, and then okay, and that's why because usually it's an eight to ten year marriage when you get with the plug up with the funds. That's why you've been able to kind of okay move quicker. Eleven, eleven years, five funds. Got it. Okay, I was wondering like that those metrics how that worked out. Yeah. So one thing that was interesting, you just said you had about 150 funds over the 150 investments, investments over the five funds. Um, I, I'd love to hear uh, some of the misses. Tell us about some oh, of the yeah, misses. There's, there's a lot yeah. of misses. Uh, there's a lot of misses. I mean, pretty much in every fund, you have about every VC is different based on the number of GPs and their. Yeah. We have about 35 companies. We ended up. That's our steady state. Each fund is about a three-year life of the initial investment period. And then the other seven years is like following on those companies and support they grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about half the fund is follow half the fund is initial, but yeah. So about 35 companies, I think what we're seeing in like mature funds, like funds one and two is that basically like you'll have of the 35, three to five of those companies will be the breakouts, you know, and mm-hmm. those three to five will be a, at least return the fund each right and like in attentives case like like that like that that's doing could 10 times the fund by itself but like of, of those three to five um you know you could have one complete breakout like one airbnb one uber one attentive you know um, but generally there's three to five so of the other 30 companies um i'd say about half of them are going to zero you know so literally of 35 companies you got 15 goose eggs, you know, and they die for a variety of reasons. Um, probably the number one reason that early startups fail is is founder chemistry. And that's why we really over-index on, um, on the team. And we spend a lot of time because, by the way, at Seed, there's very, other, there's very little other data, right? There's not a lot of revenue Oftentimes, no revenue. Maybe the product's not even in production yet. Uh, maybe there's just a beta. Maybe there's even no product. But the 
the co-founding team has to be fully formed. And in the beginning, we've had a lot of misses where co-founders just have met a year ago or they have very similar personalities. Mm. They have overlapping skill sets and they just like literally bump heads together and they just can't, can't figure it out. By the way, a lot of our startups that we created, I had, I had a few startups that completely flamed because of the co-founder drama. Uh, Mm. And so we know that, that issue. And so how, how we de-risk that over the years is we kind of have this pattern matching for like ideal teams that we love. And by the way, this is a game of outliers. So I don't know if pattern matching really helps, but when we see this group of founders, um, we, we, we're all over it. And it's basically two or three folks um, with diversity and skill set and backgrounds, and they've worked together before, you know, and ideally they failed before uh, or they tasted mm. a little bit of success before. But the point is they've had their hands around each other's necks before. They've been in the valleys before. They've tried to kill each other before. <laughs> and, and now they still want to work together, right? So that means the world because they've already been through that. Um, and when we find a team like that, and oftentimes it's one go-to-market, one product, one engineer, and they can build and ship the company, build, ship, and sell the company by themselves, and then they you know, raise money to hire people better than them, um, then we, we love that archetype. Um, and that's how we've started to de-risk the founder infighting. But that, that is the number one startup killer by far. And the majority of those goose eggs are because of founder drama. Wow. Yeah. And that's something you really can't, can't really prepare for, especially getting in because stuff happens. Myself, I've worked for, I think, four different startups and, you know, various stages. And I think founders and, and having leadership is very important and very key. So one of the things. Right. Huh? It's it's when he hit the fan and you start to see how the founders uh founders react because uh, I, yes. I, I I've been a part of uh, two startups and you know on the sales side I'm just like when when the product's not selling and it's not the sales team fault you start to see who starts to point fingers yeah and that's a, and that's a, yeah so it's a, there's a lot of ugly man startups there's this great tweet I saw earlier this like startups um are the you know if you want that humbling experience like start a startup. Like it, yeah. <laughs> it, it is the hardest thing you're, you're creating the impossible. You're making the impossible, trying to make the impossible possible. Right. You're literally bending the, the, the arc of, um, you know, of reality, you know, depending on the phase of your, the strength of your distortion field to like, you know, create and, and inspire and align and ship and sell. And it is, it is extraordinarily hard. I, I by the way, I don't miss it at all. Like, 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 <laughs> like, like I, I, I missed it for uh, literally like two weeks. Um, <laughs> and, then I, and then I was like, I, I am much better suited, I think, to be an investor because I get to be inspired by these founders all the time. I get I, I get the credit um, for the good things, like like the introduction to that customer or the introduction to that reporter or the introduction to the Series A or, you know, sitting in the board meeting, giving some useful feedback. But I don't have to fire anybody. I don't have to. Have, well, not not a lot, at least. I don't have to have, you know, really difficult conversations all the time, um, you know. Um, and uh, and and I'm learning, you know, every day and and being inspired. But but anyway, it's it's a t- you know, hats off to all the founders out there. Um, Boom. 
Amazing. Amazing. So one of the things we like to do is we like to do like a quick session section around just rapid fire, some questions for you, get your thoughts in, you know, a sentence or less then and, and really dive in. So um, one of the things I want to kick off with, um, I saw on, on your Twitter, uh, I think it was early summer last year, you sent out a call for black founders to reach out to you. Did they reach out? They did. Yeah, we had uh, hundreds of meetings last year. Um, nice, and, nice. Uh, you know, it, it, it was absolutely incredible experience because, um, you know, we, we put out this call on Twitter and it went out everywhere on LinkedIn. And we used a company called Superpeer to do these one to one video calls. And we get we get sessions all over the world. And my job was just to, like, make connections. And it, it'd be amazing to see founders. Sorry, this is more than one sentence, but um, I, I think it's. You know, this story is worth it. Um, really. Yep. <laughs> what the hell, uh, man? Uh, sorry, I, I, I'm hijacking your rapid fire. But, like, but, but, you know, like basically networks are so uh, siloed. Um, and we take that for granted. We're like, oh, yeah, this company kind of reminds me of like Plaid 4X. Or like, you know, if you like the Y Combinator cohort yesterday, like literally like 50 of those companies were Plaid 4X. I'd meet a founder, this great founder through this interface. And be like, oh yeah, you're, what you're building reminds me of uh, Notion, or reminds me of Plaid, or reminds me of, you know, um, Greenhouse. And ninety percent of the time, they would be like, what, like, what is that? You know, like, what, like, what is that company? Like, can can you explain more? And after you explain, you know, there's 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 learning, and ideally, you can help connect them to the CEO of Greenhouse mm-hmm. or the CEO of founder of the, you know, the head of sales at Slack or whatever it is. And those introductions can dramatically change a founder's trajectory. And, and it's just because the knowledge and the networks are so siloed. Like we forget about that because we're in New York and SF and reading TechCrunch every day or whatever. But like folks in other communities all over the place don't have that same uh, mm-hmm. network of, of knowledge and information and connections. And so just connecting, like I feel like I'm a human router. That's my job as a VC. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm connecting dozens of people every day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you uh, right. uh, accolades for that. You actually do that. No, you actually do that. I, every time I hit you up, you connect me with everyone I need to connect with. So I'm gonna give you accolades yeah. on that statement. Let me say, it was a great program. Okay. We're really happy we did it. And it, it, amazing. You know, thank you. Let's, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. So, you know, New York City Tech, big, big, big mission, right? Uh, so, what does New York City have to offer? Oh, over other cities in this space. That was my three, give me the top three things. So the, the number one thing is people come to New York to make it. Boom. That's it. Is that the ring going on? What's going on in the background, man? I heard like a mo- <laughs> the, the, the yeah. movie The Ring. It, I'm kidding. Like, that's right. Uh, opening the bathroom door. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get a cameo. But 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 that's it, man. You know, people come to New York to make it. And so they, they, they've been doing this for hundreds of years. And because of that, New York has attracted the most ambitious, you know, the mm-hmm. most brave uh, people, not just in tech, not just in, 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 in law, not just in medicine, not, not just nice. in uh, as a restaurateur who wants to have the hottest sushi restaurant in the world. Um, they're all here. The ambition is here. This is an ambition trap. And so cities are defined by their people. And the, the people have come, been coming to New York to make it. And so that's why this city is will always be the greatest city. Uh, 
whereas other pockets may have tech locked down or they did for a yeah. while. The headquarters of many industries are in our backyard, right? And that's a easy shoe. And let me go take that meeting. Boom. With not just with the decision makers and make yeah, it happen. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's I think it's that, but I mean, it's just that inspiration and the network of, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. the energy of the people, everybody is here for that reason. Like why else would you live in a, in a, in a hotel room? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, lucky. You know, like why would you subject yourself during COVID or not to like a, to a hotel room? Because you know why in New York you use your house to sleep there. Like, like, like yeah. you're out, you're out, out and about, you're, you're jamming with folks. Um, the other thing about tech in New York, it's interesting, you know, tech in San Francisco is like, I lived there for five years is the number one, two and three industry, you know, like in, 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 in New York, it's number eight, number seven. Like yeah. It's the, yeah. it's the broad diversity of interests. Like when you go to a bar again, hopefully soon, um, uh, mm. And you look around, you know, and SF, it's like, oh, there's someone who works at Google, there's someone who works at Pinterest, there's someone who works at Twitter. Here, it's like, okay, the, the, you know, literally, there's a doctor, there's a lawyer, there's a model, there's two models uh, <laughs> over there by the models. No, uh, you just you just woke Anthony up, man. Yeah. Anthony just woke up. All right, good, good. good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been awake. I'm just I'm just yeah, I'm listening to knowledge. There's a Broadway That's producer. All. There's a drone choreographer. You know, here yeah. is a, a the number one YouTuber of the week. Here is the you like. This is the this is the place that they yeah. that they they all convene and gather and 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 build and so that's New York, man. That's it. Hmm. Mm. Ag Clyde, you got something? Well, no. So when you when you mentioned about uh, mental health startups, what do you what are some what are some you know maybe one or two that you see as as really potentially game changing? Um, yeah, so there's an incredible company uh, I'm on the board of called Shine, um, and it's founded by these incredible women, um, and it's a self-care network for women, um, and a lot of black and brown women uh, are on this network, and they've used it to connect with others like them, especially over the during the pandemic, and there's a little, every morning you can log in, and there's an aspirational message, and there's a meditation, and there's a you know incredible messaging and a message board and creating that sense of community to just connect with other people mm. to get through similar situations. Right. So, um, so that's one company called shine. Um, we have, uh, another company that is more on the SaaS um, product side of mental health where, uh, what's interesting is you have all these mental health providers, uh, therapists, psych- psychiatrists, etc., And, they actually don't have a platform for billing, scheduling, and insurance reimbursement. Um, you know, the, the mind-body um, analogy for mental health providers. And so if you're a therapist, you can sign up and pay a small monthly fee, and it will take care of all your billing, scheduling, and most importantly, insurance reimbursement, you know, which is a very cumbersome, cumbersome task for, for anybody, especially a small, um, a small business. Um, and so that's another aspect of mental health that um, that we funded, and uh, you know that's going gangbusters because there's so many uh, therapists out there that need these tools. So uh, those are two companies: Shine. Uh, the other one's called Nirvana. Uh, I mentioned a company called Ginger that's doing extremely well. That's selling uh, you know uh, mental health therapy into enterprises, into um, you know large companies. Uh, Fortune 5000 is kind of their customer base. Um, 
But it's, I think it's just beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, these are all companies that, by the way, started, except for Nirvana, they all started, you know, five plus years ago. Ginger's been around for 10 years. So I think there's a new cohort that is founded on what we what we've are experiencing through the pandemic, you know? Um, and there's so many things I think about. Like, for example, uh, I don't know if you can tell, I'm an extrovert. Uh, we... We, 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 we got, we, we got killed in the pandemic because our energy comes from other people. And I'm lucky, I'm lucky mm-hmm. I got two young kids and I do a lot of these, see you guys on the screen. I figured out a way to drive energy from right. those places. But there's so many extroverts that have converted to introverts and a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. my buddies and, and family that, uh, even now in New York, it's nice, go for a run, go for a walk, go for a meal, not having it, you know? And it's like, it's going to take time to chip away to get back to yeah, get yeah. back to get back get the get back those people get back yourself and get back those people and by the way people will never come mm. back you know and so that yeah. that is mental health to me as well you know um, so anyway there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that you know the companies are going to be stood up to tackle and hopefully we can find them and help them grow interesting I like I like that part because you thought we we talked about it with this podcast. You know, we literally yeah. started this podcast maybe a month before the pandemic. Yeah, started and it was almost the growth that we've had just from listener side, but at the same time, it was also our own our our own therapy. Us three got to connect every week, and it's just something to look another thing to look forward to, right? Uh, it totally. was beautiful. Yeah, that, yeah. I love you guys, man. I love you guys. I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still gonna put the middle seat in this in the theater when we get back to it. You know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So hilarious. So hilarious. So what we, what we want to do now? I, we appreciate all the, the great insight. Love real quick. All right. Yeah, send this to me, would you? Appreciate all the great insight and knowledge. Um, two things. We want to wrap up this episode because I, I think it's been great listening, great learning, uh, a lot of information. We do something we call Shit You Should Know, um, where we dive in, we share whether it's a movie, a book, a podcast series, something we want our listeners to know that typically they wouldn't, maybe they don't know about, or it's just something that, you know, we just want to be top of mind. It could be something old, something new, but, uh, you know, we want to give you a second to share uh, Shit You Should Know, and uh, or we, we, can, we can kick it off. Cool. Go on. Who's going first? Go ahead, AG. Nice. Always always go to me. (laughs) We always Uh, put him on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. So my shit you should know is uh, the streaming wars and and the streets reacting to Viacom and Viacom's ability to potentially really launch or gather or gain the subscribers for Paramount+. Plus. We've Mm. had multiple, we've had two episodes. Yeah. Really talked about a couple episodes actually about the streaming wars and then the the late entry now is Paramount Plus with Viacom and, or excuse me, Viacom's with Paramount Plus. And uh, being from a, being someone who, who still has a stock from when it worked, when I worked there, I would, I, I will love to see how this continues to play out because I don't, I'm not going to make that prediction, but. The, the content play that Paramount has might not be as strong, but thank God for CBS and their NFL yeah. deal. <laughs> so, it's so finally right performing. There. It's finally returning something to us. And, you know, there's a lot. Uh, and they're thinking about, hey, Comedy Central. Sorry. It, their, stock, their stock plummeted a little for the past two days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it did rise up like a good 20, 30, right? Yeah. Um, finally. And then, yeah, it tanked off. So I'm so. 
Comedy Central, BET, they're thinking about parceling some of those things off. So it's going to be interesting to watch this thing uh, moving forward. Clyde, you want to go? Or you want me to go? You got it. Go ahead. All right. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I, I know I'm always a day, a day late, dollar short. Uh, Billions is still amazing. I'm, I'm finally in season two of it. I love it. I love, I love it. Two episodes in a row. You're going to talk okay. about that. No, I, I'm not going to do it again because I, I did it last week. Sorry. Go ahead. Now, what were you about to say? New season out yet? Yeah, man, I'm on season two, all right? I'm slow. <laughs> no, season six is coming soon. That's what I've heard. <laughs> but um, I'm on season two, and it's amazing. I, want, I, don't anything, I'm, I'm I, I will bring up something. This is old, too, but at least it's in the last six months, right? Bridgerton, right? So, uh, you know, I'm kind of down with this. It's interesting. I'm going to tell you why. Because as a South Asian dude, I get triggered when I see anything British. I'm kidding. We got a lot of history back. <laughs> no, but I love this show. It's like it's kind of it's putting minorities in roles because of Shonda Rhimes in roles that you typically wouldn't see them in. Right. The colonialism and all that. And it's kind of cool. And they take like uh, some of Clyde's favorite artists, Ariana Grande and Maroon 5. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 do kind of orchestral remixes of some of their tracks, their songs, which is kind of cool. I like that, um, but it, it's it's cool. And they, the dudes like this, like this really good looking dude that I've never seen before. And he was on Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago. He was funny, man. Hey, hey guys, <laughs> shit, you should know. Here's here's my wife. Oh hi. Where are you? <laughs> Boom. Hello. Hey. 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 <laughs> nice to How you doing? He went Get to in. School with you. Yeah yeah yeah. No hi. <laughs> She's like, I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. I'm down with you. Alp and I have always talked about that with you. It's like, it's kind of dope. You're, you're fighting the fight that we oh always thought you would. Well, tell her I said hi. Yeah, absolutely. All right, go ahead. Um, who's next? Nahal, you're in? Shit, you should know. Yeah, book, movie, whatever you're watching. Um, well, I'm now officially a Nets fan. I change. Uh, I, 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 by the way, I am a very proud, fair weathered sports fan. Uh, and, and, and I'm always the happiest sports fan because because of yeah. that. And I'll I'll own it. Like people are like, yeah, you can't teams every year. I'm like, true. yeah, that's my strategy. I started <laughs> I started with Cleveland. Uh, you know, going to the arena, watching them win. Uh, Ron was epic. Nice. Then I went over to um, sorry, I started with the Warriors. Then I went with Cleveland. Then I, I went to Toronto. I was I was literally there for the for for the playoffs and and. That, Epic. Nice. When they beat the Warriors, uh, and then I went follow the Browns to LA, and now I'm officially a Nets fan. Uh, always have been. And the shit you should know is, uh, of course, the Nets are going to go all the way. Like, what? <laughs> you think they're going to win it? Of you think course. they win? I mean, it? even right now, last night they didn't have KB or Kyrie, and and they beat Portland, uh, and that and and that's just literally Harden and and. DeAndre and, and and Blake Griffin like is starting to ramp up and I mean imagine when Kyrie comes back and KD comes back it's over guys it's over if if Harden's healthy right so if if they all can stay healthy because they have a history right <laughs> Kyrie and KD have a history of not being healthy and available I hope they can keep it up because that this team is fire but like LA LeBron's got a strong squad over there so we'll see I mean these guys are crying right now that's why. No, that's why I put this jersey up because they're both LeBron fans, and that's I do it intentionally every Wednesday. I put it up. <laughs> I mean, obviously, LeBron and AD come back healthy, and and, and they crush because like because Kuzma can't stand up the team by himself. But but uh, but um, I gotta tell you, when Harden flipped the switch and just went into assist mode, like that, like yeah. that, that was that. That's who. That's that's you know, seventeen assists a game, like that. You know, and then if if nobody else can shoot, then awesome. he then he'll do it. Like, I mean, it's insane. So, anyways, 
Shit, shit you should know. NBA is more fun than it's ever been. And uh, and that's basically any time I get to watch TV, that's that's what I get. That's what I do. Nice. Amazing. Amazing. I'll close it out. My Shit You Should Know is a book by Ben Pring. Uh, he's an author, Cognizant, employee, uh, guy works at Cognizant as well. But he just came out with a book called Monster, a tough love letter on taming the machines that rule our jobs, lives, and future. And essentially, it talks about the responsibility to engage with technology and how to avoid the darker tendencies while accepting, you know, the benefits and gifts of technology. So it's an interesting read. One, I recommend if you want to disconnect and uh, learn about ways to not let tech- technology rule, rule your life. So. Clive, going highbrow, going highbrow. I like it. Yeah, we, were, we were all going we're like Bridgerton. Balance this thing on out. Balance this thing on out. So uh, let's close it out. We we've been sipping on, um, you know, the whiskey of the day. Um, you know, Nahil, Nahal, dive into it. Uh, what did you think? Tell us about it. Your experience. Yeah, I think it's smooth. I mean, I you know, I drink the whole thing, so. Mm. Uh, <laughs> pretty quickly i think it's uh nice and light and uh and and crisp uh and 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 that's it and and really uh appreciate the amazing conversation which made it um even better so uh absolutely hey, thanks for having me on guys absolutely oh, we're not done yet pleasure. so you know we, it, it, awesome to have you man yeah. so Nahal, when you and i were talking about you you brought up santori you brought up some japanese whiskeys i'm like hey man so Clyde gets uncomfortable when there's too much Asianness around him, right? So he's like, you know, you you you're the second on now. Indian, no, no, Indian no, guy no. he's ever met, right? So I'm like, we can't do a Japanese whiskey as Listen, well. Man. It's gonna throw Clyde off his game. Um, he just started calling me about my name. He thought I was a dude from The Simpsons. Uh, so we're good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I'm just playing. No, Josh great choice. Great choice, Balvini. Balvini. I love this. It's always been smooth. It has a little nutmeg. It always has this vanilla. Fl- I, I taste vanilla yeah. in everything. Uh, you can give me something that's orange, and I'll taste vanilla in it. For, I'm a weird that way. But vanilla <laughs> and coffee-ish flavor, and I always love that. It's smooth, right? The space sides are always like a lighter yeah. flow. Oh, man. You just, took, you just took my my thing. You dove in. All right. I'll you, just say, you're going to come in with the floral arrangements, man. I, no, I know. No, I know. No, no. This is usually, this is usually Clyde's thing where he starts saying, ah, you know, yeah. I taste the cherry in the cherry cask. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I go, I, I give, like, I give out of out of the Anthony one out of five. I give it a solid, you know, four like, point four point five. Oh, oh, well, Balvini, I, taste, I don't know if we we've touched this on we've touched this in previous episodes. I think Balvini potentially, yeah, it could be. Yeah, and so I think ultimately, uh, this is a must-have in your rotation. It's almost mm, like, it's absolutely, almost, it's it's a, it's a must that you should keep in the closet or on your whiskey shelf um, that you should always you know have for. You know, when you record a podcast. Yeah. Nahal, have you ever tried Caval? <laughs> K-O-V-A-L. It's a Chicago yeah. whiskey. Distilled in Chicago. I'm going to send you a bottle, man. Because I'm, I'm trying to change, you know, make society better one person at a time. Clyde Clyde just going out and got his own bottle for the first time last weekend. <laughs> he loved it. He loved it, right? Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. It was it's, good. It's, smoke, it man. it's an easy, it easy, easy light drink. All right, cool. So, ladies Thank you, and gentlemen, man. thank you uh, for listening to the Whiskey Hue. Thank you to our special guests. Uh, for joining us. We really appreciate the insights and knowledge that you had. Our millions of listeners will love and appreciate the gems you drop. So uh, so thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to The Whiskey Hue. Make sure you check us out on all platforms and rate us as you listen to this. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Thanks, guys.